Good to see you all this evening. I want you to imagine for just a moment that several hundred years ago there was somebody that said there was going to be a young boy that was born in India. And you would say, well, there's a lot of young boys born in India. But what if they said that young boy was going to be born to India and he was going to be born into the Smith family or adopted into the Smith family? And this was hundreds of years before. And imagine they said that same young boy that was born in India and adopted into the Smith family is going to move to America hundreds of years ago. What if hundreds of years ago somebody said that young boy that was born in India was going to be adopted into the Smith family, moved to America, and going to live in Oklahoma? And what if that same individual hundreds of years ago said that young Indian boy was going to be uh, adopted into the Smith family, he was going to live in Oklahoma, move to America, live in Oklahoma, and then when he turned in his young age, he was going to come to Texas. And what if hundreds of years ago they gave all of those qualifications and they said he was going to end up going to church at College Park Church of Christ? And his name was going to be Mario. I mean, most of us would go, wow. How would somebody know that hundreds of years ago? That would be an amazing profit for somebody to give that kind of upfront knowledge about somebody by the name of Mario that goes to church at College Park Church of Christ hundreds of years before and would know what was going to take place. That's what you see in Scripture. And the scripture is an amazing thing. And I want to introduce you to the fact of some prophecies related to Jesus being the Messiah. And I want you to put it in that context. John chapter 20, the very end of the book of John, verse number 31 said, These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you might have life through his name. So all of that book of John that was written, he, he, said, he came to the end of it and he said, there were a lot of other things that Jesus did that we didn't have space to write, but these were written that you might believe Jesus is the Christ. What kind of things were written? And they were written aforetime. John chapter 14 to verse number 6, this Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So what an amazing proclamation that Jesus made. He was either Lord or he was a liar or he was crazy. One of those three. He either has to be Lord today or he had to have been a liar or a crazy man. One of those things. And the reality is I believe he's Lord and there's reasons for that. Hebrews chapter 11 verse number 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I want you to look at that verse a little closer it did not say faith is not seen or faith is hoped for. That verse didn't say that. that. The verse said faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. So when we talk about evidence, for instance, I might say to you this evening that I've got a quarter in my hand. And you could say, well, I believe you because you just told me that and I just believe you. That's blind faith. But some of you may have noticed based on evidence that I put my hand inside my pocket and I came out with my hand closed and I said, I've got a quarter in my hand. You said, well, based on the evidence I saw, there's a pretty good probability you've got a quarter in your hand. And I've known you a long time. You wouldn't lie to us. Based on that evidence, you probably got a quarter in your hand. 
And that's not blind faith any longer. That's faith that's built upon evidence. That's believing something based on evidence. There's a difference in those two things. I can believe in Jesus because mom and dad told me. Or I can believe in Jesus because there are evidences that lead me to believe in Jesus. And guess what? There is a quarter in my hand. And there are evidences that Jesus really is the Messiah. And I have faith in that. Now, I, I want to tell you, faith is not seen. Faith is evidence of things not seen. It is the evidence of things that are hoped for, okay? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But I had not seen Jesus with my own eyes. I wasn't there at the birth. I wasn't there at the resurrection. But I have faith based upon evidence that I see. John chapter 5, verse number 39. Jesus, these are the words of Jesus, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. That verse that's being discussed there, that Jesus, where Jesus is speaking, is not talking about the New Testament. He's saying, search the Old Testament, and you'll find me in them. Search the scriptures, for then in them you think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testified me. If you go to the Old Testament, you're going to see me there. And there were prophets hundreds of years beforehand that prophesied or foretold of this coming Messiah. And one of those prophets in Isaiah 7, verse number 14, said that this one was going to be born of a virgin. And I want you to notice in Isaiah 7, verse number 14, there was a prophet hundreds of years before him that said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring, bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Hundreds of years beforehand, the Messiah was going to be born of a virgin. Who was this? And in Matthew chapter 1, and verse number 18, we see who that was. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which spoken by the Lord by the prophet saying behold a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. Who was this one? Who was this Messiah? Now there were a lot of children that were born but there were not any born of a virgin and I recognize you have to believe you have to have faith in the fact that this individual was born of a virgin but let's look at some of these that don't require quite so much faith. This same one that was going to be born of a virgin had to be born of David's royal seed. And we look at the prophecy or the prophet hundreds of years before it in Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse number 5 that said, I will raise unto David a righteous branch prophesying that this one that was the Messiah was going to be of David's royal seed. Prophesied hundreds of years beforehand, Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 1, the very first verse of the first gospel, very first chapter of Matthew, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, of David's royal seed. Who was this one? It was prophesied hundreds of years beforehand where he would be born. Micah 5 and verse number 2, that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Micah 5, verse number 2, both, But thou, O Bethlehem, or but thou, Bethlehem, afraid of, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, out of thee shall come forth one that to, unto me that is to be ruler in Israel. The prophet, prophecy told us of a coming Messiah that was going to be born in Bethlehem. And I just want you to notice in Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Now I want you to notice, it's not that he was just born in Bethlehem. There were a lot of boys that were born in Bethlehem. 
But he was born of Bethlehem of David's royal seed. Well, there were others that were born of David's royal seed. But there was only one that was born in Bethlehem of David's royal seed that was born of a virgin. That is, stack all of these prophecies on there together. There's not just one prophecy. It's the evidence of all the prophecies. There are some 60, 61 major prophecies in the Old Testament regarding Christ. Hundreds of what we might consider to be minor prophecies related to Christ that were prophesying of the Messiah to come. Hundreds of them. 61 major prophecies. We're going to look at 21, 22 of them tonight. This one that was going to be born in Bethlehem of David's royal seed that was born of a virgin was going to be able to do miracles. Isaiah 35, verse number 4 through 6. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. The lame man leap as an heart, which is a deer, as the heart panteth for water, as the deer panteth for water. The tongue of the dumb shall sing. Those that could not speak, their tongue would come alive where they could speak. It was prophesied this Messiah was going to be able to do miracles. Now I want to tell you, when I talk about miracles, I'm talking about things contrary to the laws of nature. When I define the term miracle, I'm not... You know, there's a, we're very loose with our language today. A lot of times people will say, uh, Michael and Hannah just had a baby. Her name is Kyla. That's a miracle. Actually, it's not a miracle at all. It's very natural that two young people would get married, that they would conceive a child, and that that child would be a child, a human child. That is not a miracle. That is very natural. Now, if they had had an ear of corn, that would have been a miracle. Okay? So when I say miracle, I'm talking about something contrary to the laws of nature. Okay? So we watch TV today, and there are TV preachers that say they're performing miracles, but they're kind of like, you know, somebody tonight is being cured of a headache. Hello? You know, there's all kinds of people's headaches all over the world that somebody across 20 million people watching this TV program today has got a, got a headache. Touch the television set. Your headache will go away. Somewhere in 20 million people, somebody's headache leaves them. And goes away. That's not a miracle. Those things happen every day. When we talk miracles in the Old Testament, we're talking about the tongue of the dumb sing. The lame man leap as a deer. Ears of the deaf shall be unstopped where they can hear. Those that had never heard before, that were deaf, could now hear. That's a miracle. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 35... Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. That's what Jesus did. Jesus healed the lame man. Jesus unstopped the ears of the deaf. Jesus put spittle clay into their eyes so that a blind man could see. That's against the laws of nature. That's un you can't take spittle. I can't spit into clay and put it on your eyes and cure your cataracts. But Jesus could. Jesus could cure blindness. This We're talking about the Messiah. And we're talking about not just one who performed miracles, but that was born in the city of Bethlehem of David's royal seed that was born of a virgin. Who could that be? He was going to, this same Messiah was going to be betrayed by a friend. Psalm 41 and verse number 9, Yet mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. There's the prophecy 
of Jesus being betrayed by a friend. And you know, Jesus in John 13 and verse number 18, I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. It was prophesied hundreds of years beforehand that the Messiah would be betrayed by a friend. Again, I want to remind you, it's not that just I've been betrayed by a friend. Have you ever been betrayed by a friend? I have. But I wasn't born in Bethlehem, and I can't perform miracles, and I was not born of a virgin. But who was it that was betrayed by a friend that could perform miracles, born in Bethlehem of David's royal seed that was born of a virgin? And we start to narrow the field down. Who could it be? That same individual was going to be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Hundreds of years beforehand prophesied he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Zechariah 11 and 12, Old Testament prophet. Guess how many pieces of silver the Messiah was going to be betrayed for? They weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. And in Matthew 26 and verse number 15, guess how many pieces of silver he was betrayed for? Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. Born in the city of Bethlehem. Of David's royal seed. Born of a virgin. Performed miracles. That same, it was prophesied, the same 30 pieces of silver that he's going to be betrayed for was going to buy the field of a potter. Hundreds of years beforehand, verse number 13, I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. It was prophesied that he was going to be that same 30 piece of silver is going to buy the field of a potter. And you get to Matthew 27, verse number 5 and verse number 7. That's what they did. He went and he took the 30, uh, Judas took the 30 piece of silver, threw it into the temple. <coughs> Excuse me. And that same 30 piece of silver bought the field of a potter. Now somebody says, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus probably committed the greatest conspiracy of all time on humankind. And he planned all of these things. If that's the case, then you've got Jesus making sure his enemies perform exactly what he wants done. And after he's on the cross, they perform what he wants done. You've got him, his disciples who fled and scattered when he went to the cross, performing the things he needed done. And he was going to fulfill all these prophecies. He did, but there, it's impossible to believe it was a conspiracy and it's built upon evidence. He was to remain silent when he was persecuted. Isaiah 53 and 7. So opening not his mouth. Isaiah 53, that great chapter that gives us great vision. Uh, Weldon talked about it the other night. A little bit, uh, that great vision of the suffering Savior. But he opened not his mouth. And guess what in Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 59. The high priest arose, said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. When accused falsely, held his peace. Think about that for a moment. Again, we're not just talking about a person who held their peace. We're talking about the Messiah. Who was the Messiah? It was prophesied hundreds of years before he was going to hold his peace and he was going to be of David's royal seed, in the city, born in the city of Bethlehem, born of a virgin, and he was going to be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver, the same 30 pieces of silver is going to buy the field of a potter. Who could it be? He was going to be mistreated, prophesied in Isaiah 53, verse number 3. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Matthew 27, verse number 6, he had scourged Jesus. 
He was going to be spit upon. Isaiah 50, verse number 6, I hid not my face from shame, and spitting was the prophecy hundreds of years beforehand. In Matthew 26, and verse number 67, they did spit on his face. He was going to be mocked. Psalm 22, verse number 7, All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. They just mocked him. And Jesus was mocked, Matthew 27, verse number 31, and after that, that they had mocked him. He fulfilled all of these prophecies, not part of these prophecies, all of these prophecies. You want to ask me why I believe Jesus is the Messiah? Because it was, I believe that, it's a matter of faith, but because it's built on the evidence. Who else could it have been but Jesus Christ? This same one that was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, the same 30 pieces of silver was going to buy the field of a potter, was going to pray for his persecutors. Isaiah 53 and 12, hundreds of years before, and said he made intercession for the transgressors. And Luke 23 and verse number 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Prayed for those that had, uh, that had persecuted him. There was a prophecy that he... That those around him would gamble for his clothes. In Psalm 22, verse number 18, they cast lots upon my vesture. Upon my vesture did they cast lots. John 19, verse number 23, they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. Who sh it shall be? It was prophesied hundreds of years beforehand. The same one that was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, that was the same 30 pieces of silver, was going to buy the field of a potter, buy a friend, was that we're going to gamble for his clothes. You've got Jesus hanging on the cross, having his enemies perform the, and fulfill the prophecies that were written hundreds of years ahead of time. It was prophesied he was going to ride in Jerusalem on a donkey. Zechariah 9 and verse number 9, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon the colt, the foal of an ass. And in Matthew 21 and verse number 4, behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek and sitting upon an ass and the colt, the foal of an ass. Jesus fulfilled all of these prophecies. And we could keep going. Prophesied that he would thirst. Uh, the prophet said, in my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. John 19, 28, that scripture might be fulfilled, saying, I thirst. Fulfilled them all. He was going to be crucified with the thieves. He was going to be numbered with the transgressors, what the prophet said. He was numbered with the transgressors. And in Matthew 27, verse 38, then there were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand, one on the left. Fulfilled all of these prophecies. There were not going to be any bones broken in his body. It was prophesied in Psalm 34, verse number 19 and verse number 20. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. And John 19 and verse number 33, they came, the soldiers came. This is after he's dead. If he was trying to commit a conspiracy, he had quite a conspiracy because he's got the soldiers after he's dead performing, going, hey, we've searched through all these prophecies. We found out that we can't break any bones. We're going to help you become the Messiah. That's impossible to believe. But based upon the evidence, those soldiers came to him and they saw that he was dead already and they did not break his bones. They pierced his side, forthwith came blood and water. A bone of him shall not be broken. That prophecy was fulfilled. His side was going to be stabbed or pierced. Zechariah 12 and verse number 10, uh, they would look on him whom they have pierced. He was, his side was stabbed. In John 19 verse number 34, one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side. They would look on him of whom they had pierced was the prophecy in Zechariah 12, verse number 10 that we looked at just a minute ago. In John 19, verse number 37, they shall look on him of whom they had pierced. 
He fulfilled all of these prophecies. He is going to be buried in a rich man's tomb. Isaiah 53, verse number 9. Uh, he's going to make his grave with the rich. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. And when we get to the New Testament, Matthew 27, verse 57, the Messiah, there came a rich man of Joseph of Arimathea who laid Jesus in his new hewn tomb, fulfilled long after he's dead, he's got people fulfilling prophecies for him. If you believe that was a conspiracy. I don't believe it was a conspiracy. I believe he's the Messiah. The Old Testament said that he was, his body was not going to be left in the grave. Thou will not leave my soul in hell, which is the grave, that Sheol, hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Acts 2, verse number 31. Uh, he seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, the fulfillment of that in Acts chapter 2, that his soul would not be left in hell, neither did his flesh did see corruption. He came forth from the grave. He resurrected from the grave victorious over death. Matthew 28, verse number 1, the women came to the tomb on that Lord's Day morning as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, and the tomb was empty. And if anything, the, the empty tomb proves the Messiah. They had tried to secure it. They put soldiers at, at it to try to, you know, this guy prophesied that he'd rebuild the temple again in three days. Let's secure it. Let's make it sure. Let's make sure that, the, that this one who claims to be the Messiah didn't come forth from the grave. And yet when they got to the tomb, the tomb was empty. He had come forth. And then he walked with his disciples for 50 day, 40 days, showing them many infallible proofs of his passion. His 40 days, showing them many infallible proofs of his passion. Who was the Messiah? Who could it have been? And we're not just talking about one prophecy. He fulfilled all of these prophecies. That's just like us saying, I, I knew of a young boy from India. Well, there's a lot of young boys from India. But how many young boys from India fulfill the rest of that story? And there's not many that I know of. It would come down to one that would fulfill that story. And you start narrowing the odds when you start looking at all those prophecies. Who could it be? And you come to the conclusion Jesus really was the Messiah. There was a guy by the name of Dr. Stoner that did some statistical analysis on these prophecies. And I took a class in college called statistical something, so we call it a stats class, um, statistical measurement. And it was a challenging class. I loved the class. It was an interesting class, but the formulas were like that long, come up with the, the statistical margin of error. And for instance, there were a lot of things we studied in statistical analysis, like you've got to have a large sampling and it's got to be a random sampling. You can't come to College Park Church of Christ and say, what do you believe about this? Because that's not a random sample. I couldn't draw a conclusion that the entire state of Texas believed a certain way based on the College Park Church of Christ. Because that wouldn't be a random sampling. Nor would it be a very large sample. We interviewed 100 people and therefore we extrapolated out what however many millions there are that live in the state of Texas, it wouldn't be a very large sample. Our margin of error would be astronomical. It would be large. So a lot of times when you hear somebody giving a poll related to something, they'll say, we interviewed 1,500 people. Our margin of error is three or four points or whatever. And so sometimes you'll get numbers that are buried, but it's within the margin of error. It's hard to know really who's winning the poll or not winning the poll. It's a very interesting class. One of the things we studied, though, you could take a quarter and you could flip it up in the air 
and you could call heads or tails and you'd flip it up in the air and you would call heads or tails and it came up tails. I might do that five times and I might come up heads five times, but if you did it over a large enough sample over a long enough time, it's basically going to be 50-50 because that's the odds of you coming up with heads or tails. It's a mathematical, statistical analysis. That makes sense? Dr. Stoner did that to these prophecies, the prophecies of Christ. Now, I will say going into this that the supposition in this analysis is that you believe in the resurrection or you believe in the historical fact that Jesus existed or you believe in the historical fact that Jesus really was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver and you believe in the historical record of scripture. But if you took those things, which I believe are true, but you took just eight of the prophecies, and that's the number that he used, just eight of the prophecies, you would say, what are the odds that anyone, any random person would fulfill just eight of those prophecies and they not be the son of God? What are the odds that that could happen? Just eight of the prophecies. And here's the number he came up with. One in 100 quadrillion. One in 10 to the 14th power. That's the odds of somebody fulfilling just eight of these prophecies and they not be the Messiah or they not be the Son of God. They not be Jesus Christ. What's the odds that somebody could have done that? Now imagine what the odds would be if they fulfilled all 21 of them that we talked about tonight or all 60 of the major prophecies or all 200 plus of the, of the hundreds of what we might consider to be more minor prophecies. What are the odds? I just want to tell you Jesus really is the Messiah. It could only be him. If you're looking for a Messiah, there is a lot of evidence in Scripture and I will tell you there are other evidences that I don't have time to cover tonight. For instance, a lot of what we read out of the book of Isaiah, the entire scroll, essentially the entire scroll of the book of Isaiah was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls which predated Christ. So if you want to talk about evidences, the writing of the prophet Isaiah has been proven to pre-exist the dates of Christ. So you've got the prophecies written before the individual came and fulfilled the prophecies. Another thing I'd like you to keep in mind. They did not have... I think we get to where we're living in the society we're living in as though it's always been that way. Lisa and I have been married 37 years. When we first married, we were doing church work full time. The very first thing we bought next to a dining room table was a typewriter. That will tell you a few things about our age. You needed a good typewriter if you were going to do church work. Had to type a letter, right? I was studying with Jay Henderson. We lived in Plainview, Texas. Jay Henderson was trying to mentor and train me on the job type training. And he said, I want you, if you don't mind, I want you to type up every scripture related to the soul being within us. And I looked up every scripture and I typed them up and I spent weeks typing up every scripture. I've still got it if y'all ever want to look at it. Today, on my hip, 
I could bring up every scripture that's got the soul within us in seconds. But 37 years ago, that wasn't available. Now, I just want you to imagine for just a moment living hundreds of years ago, predating a typewriter, men, scrolls and scrolls of information meticulously handwritten, and these prophets living hundreds of miles apart from one another, sometimes hundreds of years apart from one another, they could not get on a phone and call and say, hey, let's coordinate this and make sure we're all aiming for the same Messiah in different parts of the country, hundreds of years apart from one another, hundreds of years before it happened, without current technology, because I can get on a computer now and I can list all the prophecies of Christ and, or everything closely related to the prophecies of Christ, and I can bring them up on a computer Jesus, though, was the Messiah. He wasn't, he, there's no way he could have printed up a list of all the major prophecies. Now, I am telling you, those scribes and Pharisees knew a lot of the prophecies about the Messiah. They were looking for a Messiah. They just didn't understand who the Messiah was. They didn't, they were like Weldon talked about on Sunday night. They were looking for something that was different than what it was. They didn't understand. They thought they understood, but they didn't understand those prophecies. I'm telling you, hundreds of years before they were written, or hundreds of years before they were fulfilled, they were written down, and we can prove those things. I'm interested, as the years go on, how much more information is unearthed at different times related to the authenticity of Scripture and that kind of thing. But we've got enough evidence now that I am convinced Jesus is the Messiah. And if he's the Messiah, and if he really is the Messiah, and I believe that he is, we need to be listening to what he's telling us. We need to be listening to the word of God. God sent his only begotten son to the earth because he loved us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son in the form of flesh and dwelt among us. That was Jesus. That was the Messiah. And he came and he brought a message to us. And that message is his holy word. And we spend time. Now the scriptures, he said, search scriptures. For in them you think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify me. That's Old Testament. But those Old Testament scriptures do testify of Jesus. And you look at the New Testament that he gave his, shed his blood for and gave his life for. That is the words you and I need to be listening to today. What is God's will for us? What is his last will and testament? Let's listen to the words of the Messiah. Amazing evidence in the prophecies of Scripture.